0: Nolan Walker here with Roofers Paradise. I'd like you to consider being a guest. If you've got a great story to tell uh, for your roofing company, you don't have to be a client of Roofing Webmasters. We'll have you on the show. Uh, Check us out at roofersparadise.show. Shoot us an email, or you can call us from the phone number you'll find on roofingwebmasters.com. But I'd love to hear from you and maybe have you as a guest on Roofers Paradise. Hey guys, it is Nolan Walker here with Roofers Paradise, joined by Joel of True Works Roofing out of Houston, Texas. Hey there, Joel.
1: Nolan, how's it going, man? Super happy to be here. This is going to be fun. Let's yeah. uh, talk business and roofing.
0: Appreciate it, man. So, so Joel's a client of ours and with Roofing Webmasters and and uh, but I like this format for Roofers Paradise because we get to talk about. I like to do an entre- entrepreneurial spin on it. Um, in fact, we were talking about, Joel, how you had done a uh, hospitality to get started. But i talked to people in all walks of life that get into roofing. And I think they get into roofing because they see money there. They're like, hey, if I do roofing, maybe I can get my dreams to happen faster. Um, so, yeah, t- share with me, if you don't mind, like kind of how you got started, because you had talked about uh, how you'd been in. I think you said bars, restaurants, fine dining is what you told me.
1: Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, first job ever, I I guess I had kind of an entrepreneurial spirit uh, about me because when I was probably 11 or 12, I started my first company. Uh, My buddy and I would go around, we printed out the uh, stencils for address signs and we would go knock door to door, you know, painting new address signs on people's curbs. Pretty good. Yeah. 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 We had a whole pitch. Um, then we started doing mailboxes too. We would do like two for one and started giving them deals and everything, you know, come home with, uh, 60 bucks in my pocket, which, you know, this is decades ago. That's pretty cool.
0: So were you able to paint a curb at 11 years old? Oh yeah,
1: absolutely. We painted it. It was a good looking curb. Our first, uh, mailbox we attempted, uh, didn't go so well. So, you know, but we, we got better after that, but anyway, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, you know, mowed lawns. Uh, then let's see, snow cone uh, stand. Um, when I was 15, H-E-B was my first job, the, probably the day I turned 16, you know, and then uh, with H-E-B. Yeah, yeah. And then got into restaurant uh, business and, you know, just working my way kind of through community college and everything uh, was on my own at that point. And so, you know, kind of got to experience all that that entails as far as just from a customer service standpoint. Every customer is different. You start really learning how to read people, their emotional cues, uh, meet them kind of where they are. Your pitch is really catered and different to every single person. And if they come in multiple times, it's every single person, depending on kind of the mood they're in. So it really starts to teach you a lot that I think has helped me In business, you know, years later, to the point where, you know, when we're looking for employees now at TrueWorks, I mean, once I see that they've had server or bartender experience, they really go to the top of the list for me because they've had years of training that they don't really know the value of yet. I find, Hmm. and it's it's just about relating to people, looking at them in their eye laughing at their dumb joke you know being witty on the spot all those kinds of things that you know just did come natural own, did you own a
0: restaurant did you own a restaurant or
1: yeah i was so i was a general manager of uh, several restaurants and so to kind of the the full storyline basically is i started out at a uh, italian restaurant then i worked fine dining seafood uh, i moved for, for a little bit when I was trying to kind of find myself in my young 20s. I moved to Atlanta and I uh, worked at a fine dining restaurant there. Got to wait on celebrities and stuff. Uh, Ted Turner and, um, you know, Whitney Hughes. I mean, there was a, a, a really cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. A wide range of celebrities. And I, I learned there the really elevated steps of service um, that, So this was
0: like a Michelin star type restaurant. It
1: was, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. You know, in all kinds of magazines and things like that. It was a a very well-known restaurant at the time. And so then I moved back to Houston and I got into more of a casual like bar restaurant environment. And I, what I was able to do was implement those really high end steps of service from fine dining into that environment. So we did a lot of cool things that were like outside the box. What I saw from the kind of bar industry was you're waiting in line for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Hey, look at me, look at me, I'm over here. And it's like, you're begging them for the product that they are selling. And it just kind of was a little backwards to me. So basically we started doing a lot of just really off the wall things. We would, you know, obviously start, we call every customer by their name, every single person in our place knew every single person who ever came in's name after their second time, we made it a point to memorize everyone's name, but also like what they drank. So I would station one person at the door, they would soon as somebody would pull up into the parking lot, they would order it and I would have someone the second they open the door and this is like their second time to ever come in, mm-hmm. they open the door and there would be like a cute girl there with a big smile with their drink. And huh. the expression, the look on people's face of shock and like just blown away that someone remembered their name, remembered what they drank, took hmm. the time to, you know,
0: it was so. This sounds like a Tom Cruise movie or something, like cocktails <laughs> or something in Houston, Texas. Right? A hmm. little bit, yeah, a little bit. Um,
1: but that. You know lesson, really, what we were trying to do there, what I really learned, we became wildly successful and I took over another place as kind of a consultant and was able to scale some different companies from kind of a break even point to increase the revenue by several million dollars and put a lot of money in the, in you know the company's um, net so the lesson really there is just that it's real simple I mean everybody likes to be VIP. And it, it turns out that, you know, especially like blue collar guys, uh, and, and gals, you know, um,
0: I, I got work, a question for you yeah. not to derail it, but I'm curious. No, go for it. If so, all that success in restaurant business, taking something to that level, can you make more money in roofing? Or was that, were those restaurants making money? Like, and let's take away Michelin star stuff, but like that place in Houston, that make as much money as a roofing business?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you probably can't. They're very profitable. Um, It's, it's like anything. I mean, just like roofing, it's extremely competitive. You probably can't scale it quite as large. um, Are you glad you you weren't
0: in that business in 2022, right? You weren't, you know.
1: You know, very much so. And and so, yeah, a lot of restaurants, closed, a lot of friends of mine who owned restaurants and and different venues. Here we are
0: headed towards what people are claiming we're going to have some sort of economic calamity and nobody really knows what it's going to be. I had to look up what stagflation was. You know, <laughs> I don't think I'm forty nine, but I remember my parents complaining about energy crisis, but I don't remember. I don't remember feeling the economy of it mm-hmm. and then here we are working i work with roofers you're a roofer mm-hmm. but you don't worry about things as much in roofing do you as far as economic problems you know yeah, are they're... you are you worried if there's an economic problem like if you own a restaurant that's fine dining here mm-hmm. you're, you're shaking in your boots probably right a little bit well or it goes in a roofing business are you shaking in your boots
1: yeah a hundred percent i mean it goes you know um you start to, during hard economic times, you start to look at your budget. You may cut back on certain things. I mean, my wife and I, not even hard economic times. We just bought a house. And so we had to relook at our budget. And one of the things that we just noticed, okay, well, let's go out and eat. You know, we noticed we weren't quite going to have enough money at the end of the month to save what we wanted to save. And so mm-hmm. uh, pretty simple. All right, well, we're spending this much. One thing we clearly saw was we're spending this much going out to eat. We're going to cut that back, but there are other things like that that are a little bit you would consider kind of, you know, you're doing well, convenient luxury items or things that aren't a necessity in life, which to your point, I mean, a roof is. When you have a roof leak or you have an old roof or a failing roof, you really don't have a choice. It really doesn't Uh matter what the economic
0: times are. You got to figure out a way to get that done, so... I have a question on that. Do you Mm -hmm. think that economic times change? Like, I know that at 2020, people worked on their homes, did additions, and there was just, there's just, and and I don't know, I think maybe it's slowed down a little bit from all Mm -hmm. that from 2020, right? Like this year slowed down just a tad, because I talk to roofers Mm -hmm. all the time. But does economic times change the amount of roofs that are done, And besides the fact that homes are being built, which most of you guys aren't doing new home construction roofs anyway? but I, I I don't think it does much like, you, you know, you're in a uh, Houston. So the roofs, even if there's not a storm, get they're, they're getting a lot of use from the weather, right? You got a lot of dampness, a lot of rain. Uh, you have every once in a while you have wind damage, but you haven't had that in a while. Have you? We get little storms that blow through
1: little wind pocket here, there a small hill storm or something like that. But a lot of it is retail. It's just failing roofing systems. Due right. to the climate, the age of the the roofs, poor ventilation, a lot of other issues. But you know, to your point, there there's we keep building more and more homes. At some point, those homes are going to be 15 to 20 years old, and those roofing systems are going to. And we kind of always say, you know, uh, new to your point about new construction, we don't do that. Um, most new construction. You know, companies they won't pay us what a homeowner would pay us, and so they're always for going for really the cheapest bottom line, cheapest margin, cheapest labor, etc. So that's why we kind of call it builder grade. Even in a nice subdivision with you know three hundred to five hundred k homes, where it's definitely builder grade, we would call it's not the roofing system the to the quality we would put up, and it's kind of why we'll always have a job. So they're not, that's not going to change.
0: And so good thing and at the end of the day. And, you know, I don't want to pull you off that track too much. Cause I do, you know, we talked yesterday just a little bit. I believe that you do more than most people do. I hear lip service out of a lot of people and it's fine. It doesn't mean they're bad roofers or anything, but I, I, I deal with the better quality roofers, um, as a whole, but most people are saying things to me, like, I saw a need in the marketplace for an honest person or I got, you know, I saw these people that were horrible and I brought my company and their company is maybe better, but you know, they're not a, they're not a charlatan or a cheat, you know, and they're doing a, a pretty good job, but they're not taking, there's a couple of things that you do different. One, one of them is your, your hospitality business is better. You do do better customer service. You do have more reviews and and higher uh, reviews. And so there are some things you told me there's some stuff that you do that y'all just do that to catch someone. kind of like the drink where you had their drink in their Mm. hand, you do some wow factor things that are Mm. above and beyond customer service for the roofing. If you don't mind sharing, I thought that was, uh, I thought that was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, of course. So, you know, just like with the drink, the idea, I think people are a little bit lazy as you know, when it comes to business as far as being creative and trying to think of different ways to do things, there's definitely always the kind of mentality, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it type thing. If you've been in the restaurant business, you go open a restaurant, you pretty much run it the same way. If you've been in the roofing business, you go open a roofing company, you pretty much run it the same way you learned. And there's not a lot of brainstorming of, okay, you know, let's be the next let's be the Netflix to all the blockbusters or let's how are we going to do things to really differentiate and completely be different. So we really want to do that in every aspect that we possibly can from the incoming phone call on. But to what you're kind of speaking of. Uh, yeah, we go for the real wow factor. I, I stole a little page, you know, Mattress Mac. He is a uh, Houston legend and icon um, open those a- mattresses. Yeah. I mean, this guy opened a mattress store and he's one of the most famous figures in Houston um, has, you know, and it's just because of, so when they deliver furniture, it'll have a card on there that'll say, is there anything else we can do? And they'll list these things. Some of them have nothing to do with furniture and like one of them will be mow your lawn. I mean, it's, it's extremely over the top, very wow factor type. But they'll mow the lawn. Know. They would oh, mow yeah. the lawn. Yeah, for sure. And so <laughs> We we started really, we, we really implemented that into our company. So we call it our thoughtful cherry on top of every deal. So we just try to do fun, creative things. It's really about listening to the client, observing their needs. Maybe it's a dog toy for their dog. We've done... Uh, a client head there's a lot of mosquitoes we sprayed the yard you know we've mowed along to that point we've done a, a car detail mobile car detail mm-hmm. we uh, have done painted a mailbox going back to my old roots painted a mailbox and put a new address on it it's things i love, that... I love
0: this idea you know who does this um real estate agents do this mm-hmm. so they'll, that's right they'll think about the individual i got a um I got a knife. I got a great real estate agent. I love the guy. I've used him forever uh, named Jim Hall out of Fort Worth. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's a great guy. And um, he bought me one of those. um, I can't remember. I watched that show about uh, what was that Forged and Fire show on Netflix. But um, what's the type of blade that's uh, all molded, you know, got tons of I can't remember the type of steel it's like uh, but anyway he bought me this really expensive knife super sharp mm-hmm. and then the time before that he bought us a cutting board that had our last name on it uh okay. the, the like carved out of the cutting board but he thinks about us and gives us a personalized gift i mean he most of the time when he works with us he probably makes like fifty thousand dollars or something you know and so he does something nice for us every time
1: I mean, that's it. They're paying it. You know, you're right. Real estate agents uh, are are the good ones. That's what they're really good at: paying attention, listening for little cues, for wow wow moments that you can kind of um, you know deliver later on in the customer experience that leave that lasting impression. So it's just about making people say, looking out the window and saying, Oh my gosh, what's this roofing company doing? Washing our car. What's this roofing company doing? Painting our mailbox. It's yeah. just, just, and it, it's just such an impactful memory, you know, lasting kind of story and feeling. It, it really, you know, tugs on the heartstring. It just, it's, it's, it's those, good stuff. it yeah. is, man. It's it good, is good stuff. stuff. It's, you know, they I, deserve it. That's, that's what it really is. They deserve it. They're spending a lot of money. They have a lot of choices. They have a lot of options and, to, we're talking little ten to fifty dollar things, but it's more the thought, and and it kind of just shows, you know, going above and beyond, and it really creates and instills in our company that feeling as, you know, a culture and kind of how we operate and how we do things. You start explaining that to new people who come on, they really start to get, okay, this is different. This is we go above and beyond always, and you know even. Yeah even above and beyond the expectations, for instance. So, um, yeah, it's something fun that we have a lot of fun with. We run contests for that. Who has the most like thoughtful, you know, because we we run cool contests. How much flair? How much flair do you have at the uh, office yeah. space? like Yeah, 50, 50, 30, 37 of flare, pieces of flair. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah but, you know, uh, if you run, so you want to run contests that are fun. You want to make everything fun, make it a good game. But you want yeah. to run your contests that are going to incentivize the results, the culture that you're really trying to draw, achieve. And so draw you'll run out. a
0: contest so, for cultural stuff, not necessarily just the sales, the raw sales. Exactly. You feel exactly. like you get more sales
1: by doing it that way, probably. A, huh? th- a thousand percent. So, you know, you run a contest for sales, you got to get cutthroat, you know, people looking at a client as a deal instead of a human being. Uh, and, and, yeah. And as a so if everybody got
0: the same gift, it removes that personal aspect of That's it right. and everything eventually just kind of gets corporate and mm-hmm. I, I would assume you get more referrals because of this stuff. hundred uh, percent.
1: Yes, sir. yeah it's I think it helps a lot when you look at our reviews, when you look at our referrals, our reviews are not just five stars. they are typically. Uh, paragraph after paragraph hmm. pages of people like That's
0: good content. You know, I love that content. <laughs> <I> mean,
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It, but, um, and then we get a lot of jobs obviously because of that people always tell us like, I just was reading through your reviews and just the comments, the people, the links that people go to really explain their appreciation, um, ends up landing
0: us many more deals. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's great. Joel, you've been good about, um, branding your company i i don't think that people really realize this part of it i i I know that they missed the boat on this um i believe that like all of life like i i've gotten so specialized in my thought process about marketing and and you know we can't do everything but most of us could do more than we uh a lot more than we do like even even these podcasts that you and i are doing now Mm mm-hmm um, just putting ourselves out there trying to get there. But when someone really realizes that all digital signals gets interpreted by really the AI algorithm of Google at this point, uh, it's, it's literally taken the mind of its own. They say, I, I don't know if you read some of that stuff, but uh, yeah, that it's, algorithm. It's sentient now. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they're saying. They fired the guys. Even if I read the same thing I did, fired yeah, some yeah. guys like that thing's alive, man. And they're like, Oh, you're fired. Guys. Um, but they, they don't understand that they're caching all this data every bit of it and checking things and someone someone is pushed before and i i probably say this in a negative way i don't necessarily mean it negative but i look at and, and i think that most of us business people can agree that post 2020 you view all data as propaganda and when you realize that all data is propaganda, at very least, it's a controlled narrative to someone's perspective. And when you realize that fully, you're like, okay, well, if that's the case, if all data changes belief systems and everything comes at you, whether it's a podcast, a video, a website and content or reviews or comments on reviews or you know, uh, pins or whatever it is, if all that is what that is, then I'm the guy that is supposed to run this ship for my narrative. And then people throw stuff up there, and I get calls from people and marketing all the time, and they've done nothing. They're they done nothing. Well, I'm gonna get a website up. And I'm like, eh, I don't think that's enough, you know. It's like, and then, or people will get angry at it, they'll get angry at that stuff. And but you've done a good job of. Of uh, not only that and and some other stuff I didn't even tell you to talk about. I, I think I told you this once before. It's very difficult to come up with a new name that hasn't been used before. Mm-hmm. True Works just sounds good. I, 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 how long did it take you to settle on that name and to find it? You know, did you work on that for a long time or did it because it's... Yeah, we did.
1: Uh, we worked on that. We had we may have had pages of different names. You know, going back to kind of the what I mentioned, you know, everybody sometimes get a little lazy and they just kind of copy and paste when it comes to opening a new business. And we just knew we couldn't do that. You, You see that in the example of roofing companies, for instance, it's usually like some initials, you know, my initials. I mean, most people would have opened JBP's roofing and the logo is the little house on top of it. And it's yeah. just J.B.P.'s roofing with the little house on it. It's just not memorable. It's not impactful. It doesn't make any kind of emotional connection with anyone. It's not telling a story
0: about who you are to kind of what you were speaking and it's about. it's not a brand very well. Dep- now, now mm-hmm. J.B., you know, it depends on how of his past, past key or so, But if, mm-hmm. if it's an initials or something, it's hard to build a brand around it. Mm-hmm. And so... When the name is unique and doesn't sound too weird or it's not a phrase like H-Town roofing. I mean, H-Town may be okay, but you could come up with some that are just really, they're not really a brand, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have a different enough name that's not used before. And when the algorithm sees it out there in the ether and it's floating around and they're grabbing pieces of data, which they are, they're like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's, and they don't, they don't guess, is that Joel? No, that's Joel. That's his brand. Mm -hmm. you know, so people miss that part of it too. So, and I don't know if you thought that far down the road, but when you have a topically relevant brand that matches user intent, which all that means is it has the word roofing next to a unique word Mm -hmm. true works is a word you made up, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, you know, it's interesting. I'm always thinking about the customer and how they'll see us and perceive us. You're thinking about Google, you know, but, uh,
0: it, they can correlate right so
1: yeah so we wanted all, all, all these
0: concepts correlate this branding mm-hmm. and all this stuff correlates into the web and stuff mm-hmm. and stuff gets grabbed but it all mm-hmm. it all feeds on each other and you're talking about making things different but i have a comment about that but go ahead I'll, yeah. I'll, uh, i yeah i want to make a comment about the difference of it sure um, sure go for it probably in my opinion so i I don't know how many roofers there are in Houston. Let's call it 4,000, 5,000 roofers. Mm-hmm. I've heard there's like 8,000 in Dallas-Fort Worth. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true or not. Cause I don't, if you look at SIC codes, the government, there's about a hundred thousand roofers or something. I remember when I first started doing marketing for roofers 12 years ago, there's like 50,000 or 60,000 or something. I, think, I do think there's more now, mm-hmm. but um, the amount of people that fight for anything, is really low. And I, and I do, I, I think that I, I find it really interesting when you think about a company, like you're now a company, you can listen to different um, people's versions of what a company is like Robert Kiyosaki or this guy or that guy. But I don't think because somebody has a Texas state corporation or some Oklahoma or wherever that, that just because it says they're a company, they're a company. A lot of times they're just a general contractor, are they Are they graduate up, you know, a subcontractor, graduate to general contractor or sole proprietor. Most businesses operate like a sole proprietor, even if they're incorporated, right? Sure. And so out of the hundred thousand roofers, because I talk to people all the time, I'll bet you, in my opinion, about two percent of them are competition, maybe. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because you go into a market and you start talking about building a brand and um People just aren't competitive because they don't do anything. You know, they're like, well, I've done everything. It's like, no, I already have a website or I have this. It's like, no, Joel over there in Houston's busting hump, going on podcasts and getting the word out, you know, doing unique, unique stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. and like working his butt off and, and garnering better reviews and more of them and people that care to write more and doing all kinds of little things that are like tipping the scale in this direction. And it's not happenstance. You fought for it. And then i talk talked to people and they're like, Oh, I can't do it. The attitude is I can't do it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, and, and honestly, I don't think any of those people even watch this stuff like this. Like those guys don't even spend the time listening to this podcast, you know?
1: Yeah." <laughs> yeah I mean you know there's there's this there's really two ways to do things I mean you go in all, with all your heart trying to be the best or you or you don't um so you know we saw so i I, I got into roofing and it was kind of a in between jobs thing at the time and I was just doing sales for a company and I was like there's no way you go like knock on a door and sell a roof I couldn't believe it yeah. um and then I started being really successful and you know i remember coming home and telling laura you know i was like babe i made like 10k today you know and just so and i was like doors knocking doors right yeah yes sir and and we were doing i mean zero of anything we do at true works as far as like you know the branding the marketing the a lot of the customer service steps a lot of those things i mean it was just hustle and door knocking and closing tactics and things like that and You know, I couldn't. um, I I tried to make a lot of difference and impact in that, um, you know, in the companies I was with and felt like I couldn't make inroad. There was that comment a lot like, man, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And I was just like, oh, that drives me crazy because I want to be innovating and constantly brainstorming on how we can do something better all the time to provide a better customer experience, to you know dominate our competition, to stand out, to be memorable. And right. so we started our own company, Laura and I did in uh, 2020. And it really was, you know, the roofing industry is, I think what we, what we really saw is that kind of what you're speaking about the roofing industry, I think is about five to six years behind several other industries when it comes to marketing, uh, when it comes to, you know, like, like when it comes to customer service, when it comes to some technologies, you know, systems and processes, things like that. Um, Some of the other companies I've been in, I mean, you know, We know no CRM. I mean, still using a Manila folder and you know your filing cabinet and being. I got to tell you what it
0: has to deal with. In my opinion, it's hard labor workers and salespeople. Those are incorrigible people to work with a lot of times, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's difficult to push and manage a business well for a lot of people. In that, you can you can do it, but typically, in and a small business person can can make a fortune doing that well, Mm -hmm. but typically they're not like that's why you don't see somebody with a hundred locations because of the incorrigible nature of people that do hard labor or sell. True. And so you have, that's why there's franchises. Like I, I'll get people go, Oh, I know such and such. And I actually had a podcast not too long ago. It was guys like, Oh, I know a guy that could quit and not work for a year and his business would run. And I'm like, I'd like to hear who <laughs> it is. And after the podcast, I realized that the guy who's talking about, owns a franchise and contracting not a roofer mm-hmm. but I, I don't know of anybody running like even five locations properly you know mm-hmm. unless mm-hmm. it's maybe commercial but who's to say we don't know how much tech to america makes you know so many people are private so i was like i maybe there's a couple of them that do it with larger ticket items but no it's it's tougher to run these smaller businesses but if you can run them well they're very very profitable and i think that's why people move into into roofing and try to find their, find their niche and find out how they're going to run. And I I was going to bring up too that so few people fight and you're doing better all the time. But I mean, Joel's fighting his way into one of the biggest markets there is. I, Houston's in top five markets. Uh, I'm going to say, because of the coast and the size. I mean, if you had to pick the top two up front, I'm going to say Dallas Fort Worth where I live. Yep. Number one because of cullen county and all the population and other and, and hail mm-hmm. every year mm-hmm. no matter what mm-hmm. and then you have denver uh that just has a lot of stress on the on the weather and roofs um but denver's not as big mm-hmm. but it has a but it's very very competitive but i think people mm-hmm. like to people like to move to Denver. and after that i would probably and, and i might even put florida first but florida all up and down all mm-hmm. up. them mm-hmm. um but uh houston's Houston's in that top five and Houston just has a lot of stress. Houston hasn't had a horrible storm in a while, but the roofs still get just demolished from just the weather that you do have, right? Just don't y'all have mold and rain and all kinds of stuff hitting those roofs. How, How long does the roof last in Houston compared to somewhere else, by the way, that doesn't get
1: Well, that's interesting. I mean, I haven't, I don't have roofing experience in, in other, many other cities. So, you know, the heat is brutal here. The climate's brutal. The humidity is brutal. It has, it takes its toll on anything. Uh, We have a lot of, a lot of roofers here. I notice, which is, is odd because of how hot it gets and how humid it is, but they don't understand ventilation and the science of ventilation so they're closing would... off
0: the attic space type stuff or are they closing off the ridge vents and stuff? Or what are you talking about? When so
1: not, not, all, not usually that they make uh, other mistakes. Like, so they'll do ridge vent and then right underneath that, they'll add some air hawks or like box vents. And it's kind of, they're thinking more is more, but in reality they're turning. So we're getting a little roofer technical no, here that's but right. I, I, if roofers I listen to this they'll they'll understand but you know mm-hmm. you talk to any of the ventilation experts the science kind of behind it you turn those box vents right underneath the ridge kind of into intake vents and they go up a foot out the ridge and you're leaving all that attic space from being vented um, there's a lot of other things like you know they don't so they don't do a proper attic inspection. Many of the roofers here to check their soffit vents to make sure that their intake is working properly. I mean, there's a simple formula to figure out if you have enough net free area of ventilation for your attic space. And then you divide it by two, 50% intake, 50% outtake. And then you really have to check that soffit to make sure we see all the time it's painted over if it screens or there's insulation covering it. They're getting no insulation. I mean, no uh, airflow coming in right. because insulation is blocking
0: it. All kinds They're of They're literally things. causing a health hazard for the for the occupants of the home. That yeah, case.
1: that, well, that happens as well. It does cause mold and other things. If it has too much intake and not enough outtake, you're going to get still stagnant, humid air, just sitting in your attic. It can cause mold and, and things. So yeah, we just, we see 70 to 80% of the homes in Houston underventilated, which is mm-hmm. is tragic uh, because of how hot it is and how, and it that has a, um, a tremendous impact on, how long the shingles will last, so oh, it does. okay, so yeah. electric
0: yeah, everything from mold to electricity usage to how long the shingle's gonna last,
1: yeah, to how long your hVACs gonna last as well, because it's having to work a lot harder, so True. it's it's really yeah. important, and you know we get a lot of deals because three roofers will come over, and we will be the only company that checked the attic, inspected the attic, Even and discusses talked- it and talk to the client about ventilation and the science behind it and, and addressed their ventilation as an issue. And they (laughs) were, you know, several roofers didn't even come to the house. So they're pulling satellite measurements, sending out ballpark bids, uh, probably with the intention of doing a change order. Once they get to the house and encounter things, you know, coming in low with the understanding that they'll hit them with a change order once they got the contract, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's a little bit of a uh, tactic. So you don't believe in a over the phone bid? Oh, we would never, we would never, uh, we would never, uh, your home is unique. We need to go do a thorough inspection. Um, we need to inspect every detail of the attic. We need to address ventilation, you're, there's so many little valleys and cornice returns and flashings and the uh, shape the you know condition of your decking underneath we want to assess and address because we really want to you know sometimes change order is a necessity there's literally some things you cannot know until you tear everything off but we want to minimize the use of change orders as much as possible by doing a thorough, thorough inspection and giving a to the penny quote specifically for that roof and when I mean to the penny I mean it comes in you know 53 cents and uh, that's how we send our estimates out <laughs> I just very signed up
0: a new client that is set up and I haven't done many of these but his is very specifically over the phone quotes and he does do change orders when he goes mm-hmm. out after he inspects it but that quote occurs over the phone, everything goes out. And, um, and, and that's, I'm not saying
1: anything bad about him. I mean, and he could be a great guy running a great business.
0: I'm not, uh, you know, this I, is an interesting conversation though, about it <laughs> yeah. at least. I mean, but yeah. people, I, I will tell you that like, when you're passionate about what you do and you fight mm-hmm. to do the best job you can, and you talk mm-hmm. about stuff like ventilation in the attic and you talk to a client about that sort of stuff, you definitely make more sales on that stuff. So I, I care about my business and I, I do as much as I can. I was upset about something that happened earlier in my business and we're changing some policy and I'm, I'm passionate about it. I'm not in here mm-hmm. just stomping around yelling about it. I'm, I'm upset because something went wrong. And I'm like, Hey, that can't happen ever again. That now is like the second time that's happened that, that can't happen again. And so we're changing up some policy, but I care about it. And then we discuss more stuff with clients and it literally helps make sales. People don't understand that either. It's like, that's, that's, part of the problem with sales. I don't know. So you, you feel like these hospitality sales, uh, people do a better job of caring about the client when you train them properly for stuff like this. thousand percent. We, we would,
1: we would for, for sales specifically, we would never hire someone with roofing sales experience. Uh, yeah, no. Um, they're, I mean, I, I guess I wouldn't say absolutely never, but we we never have. We we typically, I want people who are hungry and have hospitality and bartending experience. They know how to read people. They know how to talk to people. They.
0: I'd be, I, I'd be stereotyping that bartender all day long if they came <laughs> into my, as I, as I, as I say, you know, I, I don't know if I'd have great thoughts come to my head if a bartender walks in the door.
1: You would never know it. I mean, these are clean cut. Uh, you know they're dressed in polos with an ipad very well educated our training is uh, we take months to train so it was it was something i noticed in the industry that i felt like was again extremely lacking when i was trained it was literally uh okay get in the truck follow this guy around for a day good luck after that if you're not producing results you're probably not trying hard enough Um, (laughs) and that was kind of that was the And I find that to be kind of common. And so, you know, whereas with a restaurant, I mean, you have to get trained for two weeks to like be able to sell fajitas. You know, right. for $9.99, we're talking about a $30,000 roofing system. It take you like and, a year you know. just to
0: be able to make rice or something, right? <laughs> like a year or two years later, now you yeah, can make Yeah,
1: rice. exactly. I mean, yeah. I just so it's, it's something that we uh, we want to have it's the a best. Good point,
0: though, man. So, so mm-hmm. like in, in, in roofing, you're like, put an ad in Craigslist and 20 people show up. They drive around in a van and then they kick them out within two days. And you're lucky if two people last. And then they leave eventually too. And there's hardly any training, but you go to a restaurant, you can't make sushi for five years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so with all our positions,
1: I mean, we want, you know, we we make uh, detailed SOPs for every single position. I mean, I'm talking like 10 pages, very granular. Take eight steps back, now take a photo, you know, and uh, then we turn those into our training program. And you can put that like into Trainual or other types of software. So, you know, we just go down the list and they're, you know, we don't want to bombard people with it, people doing training well in roofing, I find are typically cramming it all into two or three days. If, if the, the ones doing it good are doing two or three days of classroom training from like nine to five. And they're throwing six months of information to this, you know, person, deer in the headlights, who's not going to retain any of that. So we take quite a different approach. We basically have a three-month training program. And by the time they get out of that, they really are, I think, uh, experts at roofing systems, um, residential commercial insurance, retail, et cetera, and kind of the way we do things. And so, you know, I don't don't want, your roof's just so important and um, I don't want somebody not being knowledgeable and being able to educate the client out there representing
0: our brand. So we, right. we take training very serious. Right. Well, you've done a lot since 2020. And I, I, personally think, you know, I, you started at a great time. Um, right when 2020 hit, I had a couple of clients cancel for no, like I had a, I had one guy just shut his business down. I was like, are you I, 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 like, seriously, you shutting your business down. And everybody was kind of paralyzed there for a little bit. But I guess my point is it's usually a good time to start a, a business, you know, like I, I, life's so short. You wait around forever. People wait around forever. And I've had a bunch of, I've had a couple of guys on the podcast too. It's like, Oh, don't start roofing till you have a ton of money. And I was like, well, what are you talking about? If you had a ton of money, you just go straight to Grant Cardone apartment investing. You wouldn't even have <laughs> income from your own business. You know, it's mm-hmm. like who wants to have a pass through entity of taxable income when they could just go straight into passive Mm -hmm. investment income, right? Mm, Yep. So most people start businesses on a shoestring and get going, even if it's a roofing business, but it's usually a good time to start it. I just think 2020 was ballsy for people to start up, but it was probably the best time in recent history to start a contracting business of any type. So if you were, Hey, if you were doing any sort of homework work on a home, in 2020, 2021, you're booked all the time. Not still yeah. to this day, still booked all you know, the nonstop, you know,
1: booked. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. You know, we, um, we've learned a lot. It's been really, really hard, honestly. Um, it's been way harder than we uh, thought it would be, as yeah. any business owner will attest to. Um, you go from, I mean, you miss being an employee, you know, you're just like, Oh my gosh, Sometimes. the days yeah. when I got to clock out and not think about work, you know, that, that doesn't exist anymore. So I run the company with my wife and I mean, we, it is, you know, you noticed right off right away. I mean, okay, this is seven days a week. We're answering the phone at six in the morning. We're answering the phone at 10 at night We're, you know, and we've have a good team now and we have good systems and processes now, but that's been a struggle and hard to get to and you know it's taken a lot never of work really
0: the struggle doesn't ever really end i mean <laughs> yeah. i i've worked for myself since i was a teenager uh mm. some sort i'm really on my own at about 21 but i was going to share with you a couple of things sure my very first thing that i sold was hubba bubba and and candy <laughs> i took it up to middle school in a brown a lunch bag full i'd buy it and resell it I made good money doing that one, <laughs> and then when I was a little older, maybe thirteen, I did plants in a greenhouse. I had sold sold hanging baskets to all the neighborhood ladies, and then I did uh, I did mowing lawns for years, probably a decade. Yeah, and painted curbs by the mm-hmm. way. Nice. And um, <laughs> I didn't do curbs at eleven though. My hats off. <laughs> I sold I sold gum and candy. Yeah, and then um, I also paid my way through community college until I really couldn't handle doing it anymore. I had a had gone in the alarm business and it was booming. I was like an old man in college too, by the way, at like 26 mm-hmm. or 27. In fact, I got what they call a professional development grant because as a as a 26-year-old white male, I provided di- I I was provided diversity to <laughs> Texas Christian University or TCU in Fort Worth. So I was mm-hmm. I was diverse because it was 60% 18 to 22 year old uh, white female in mm-hmm. college so, but I was <laughs> I went for like two semesters and my alarm business went nuts after 9/11 and I quit mm-hmm. and never went back to school again but um, and then I tried some other stuff and uh, after I got in home security I bought a quick car Lubentune and tune and I, I hated it and that's when I started my digital marketing agency because mm-hmm. uh, I couldn't stand it I paid 1.8 million for a, a six uh, I guess it was a, I'm sorry, it was an eight bay double stack mm-hmm. uh, quick car, Lubington, where we did. Uh, I, I couldn't stand it. had dealing with the people. I thought I was like, oh, I've dealt with hard labor. Not the, not the same. Not the <laughs> same the people that are running that. Uh, nothing against anybody who worked in you know, automotive work. But if they changed the oil filter, they were a convict. They were ex-cons. <laughs> anybody, you go in and roll over that and they they pull out the oil filter. Nine out of 10 times, they're ex-cons. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a shock to the system for me managing it. And I went in, I was already older than, uh, I felt like I was anyway. That was, I don't, it was late thirties or something then. And, um, I started this business immediately. I was in that business for two and a half years, but it's always just a step process. I've, I've never really worked for anybody hardly. I will tell you this, um, you get ruined. I was talking to, I got a new client, a roofer in uh, Florida He's moving from Tennessee to Florida to semi retire, but he's like a dynamo dude and he's like 55 and his son's taking over the Tennessee one. But he said he went to Florida and then got sick of it and moved back. And I, I know what he meant. So I, cause I've semi retired once a little bit, but I wasn't ready financially to be truthful. I didn't have enough. But when you go buy that retirement home and you don't have a lifestyle set up, it's like, Well, now what? And when you've worked for decades as an entrepreneur and he agreed, you're kind of ruined. So I hate to tell you, (laughs) within another 10 or 20 years of this stuff, which will probably go longer than you want it to or think it's going to, you really can't stop at some point. And I I don't like whatever you do is going to have to be kind of on and working. I've done, I don't work as much in the current business. Like I might do like a 30, 40 hour a week, But I also pull another 20 hours, you know, doing other stuff because there's other businesses. The longer you're doing it, there's just more stuff. And so I've got other businesses and more stuff, a software company. I've got a little real estate company and you're busy all the time, but I enjoy it. And it provides, uh, I forgot who was saying that it was, um, who's Mr. Wonderful? Oh, yeah. Um,
1: Kevin O'Leary.
0: Kevin O'Leary is, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, being a a businessman, being an entrepreneur, buys time, you know, is freedom buying mm-hmm. freedom mm-hmm. so i went today to a specialty workout i don't have any big problems but i went because i saw it on tony robbins i've been reading life force by tony robbins because i'm 49 and i'm all into biohacking <laughs> and uh being healthy and i and i went and took one of my kids to uh, osteo where you do these heavy weighted workouts to build bone density uh, and cool. uh, i did that this morning you know and i got cool. time money freedom you know
1: yeah, we're getting there on those things. You know, when you first started, obviously, it's just it's 24-7, seven days a week. Now we have a good team. We have systems and processes. We're getting our weekends off. We took a vacation. Things still ran great. And yeah. you're right. It's, it's fun. It's challenging. There's a lot of adrenaline there. It's addicting. You, you really can't picture yourself going and just cl- punching in from nine to five because it just doesn't have the same type of excitement. And you know, um, kind of in the same boat with you. Um, you know, we're we're uh, similarly aged, and uh, yeah, trying to be trying <laughs> to be healthy. And um, I'm doing this program called uh, 75 Hard. Uh, it's kind of cool. Um, so workout 75, twi-
0: 75 Hard.
1: That's it. That's it. Yeah. All right. So, I'm writing it down. What What is it? So here it is. You go. You got to work out twice a day once indoors, once outdoors, 45 minutes, it doesn't specify. It could be outdoors could be a walk, a jog, yoga, you know, whatever. Um, you know, so it doesn't really specify the workouts. It's kind of, you, you got to make that decision for yourself. right? So I lift weights and then I'll go run or whatever, but, um, or, you know, but I have friends that do do it different. I have a few buddies that are doing it
0: with. This me. is way more interesting than roofing, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I'm no, it it, <laughs> it, it it is.
1: But you know, um, the way that you live outside of your business does affect your business, and absolutely. so absolutely yeah, so so being healthy, trying to have less stress. I mean, it all is going to matter, and so um, so yeah, twice a day working out, once indoors, once outdoors, forty five minutes each. 10 pages of a nonfiction book per day, um, no alcohol. And a you have to stick to a diet. It doesn't tell you what diet to do. Uh, yeah, you yeah. just have to stick to a diet. So like mine is just, you know, no fast food, no fried food, no sweets kind of thing, you know. Right. So eat real food, eat good healthy real food, you know. But um, it's not a particular, it's not keto or whatever. It, it it could be for you if you wanted to do that, but it doesn't specify. But that's it. So work out twice a day, once indoors, once outdoors, 10 pages nonfiction book, no alcohol. And stick to a diet, and it's uh, a lot of fun. And so, and it it uh, just makes you feel good. Discipline.
0: I'll tell you some stuff I'm doing because I think this stuff is fascinating. Because there's mm-hmm. really, there's like two, three things I like to do anymore. Just maybe I'm going to call it three. I like to run my business, make money, mm-hmm. that provides freedom, toys, stuff, legacy, all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. I like to hang out with family, maybe mm-hmm. a friend or two. I like, I like, you know, personal relationships, family, and time. And the number one thing, the older you get is health. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot who I was listening to the other day, but it's was like a, a a healthy man has a hundred dreams. An unhealthy man has one dream. That's right. Yep. And so <laughs> when you get older, you have these things in waves kind of hit you. Mm-hmm. And it's like right now, like I was working out. So I was doing like a, a hundred pull-ups a day. and I'm, I mean, I, wow. I just out of nowhere, I start doing and I'm doing them properly. I'm doing mm-hmm. it, but this is all throughout the day, like 10 at a time, 20 at a time, 25 at a time. And mm-hmm. then I'd wear myself out and go. And then I'd, I was doing about 400 push ups and I was doing the rope pulls. I bought a, a tank, a torque tank from Knees Over Toes Guy. You know what that is? Like pushing, it's like pushing a sled of weights or pulling gotcha. a sled of weights. Mm-hmm. And so I was working on stuff, but I hit myself out of nowhere because I tend to go overboard and everything. And I start having tendon issues and other stuff. I'm like, holy crap. And so I start studying and I go to a functional medicine guy mm-hmm. spending money doing the most I can do the problem I'm finding. And here's what I started running into was that the functional medicine people are better than the medical doc. The medical doctors aren't treating, they're treating symptoms, not causes it. Sure. Functional medicine guy going to treat causes, but what I'm finding out the best I can find in Dallas Fort Worth is that they're got modern day blood testing, but they're giving me 10 year old, uh, solutions which is basically mm-hmm. just supplements right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but there's but i'm into biohacking biostacking, and other stuff so i start reading dave asprey bulletproof diet mm-hmm. uh, carnivore md everybody's seen uh liver king on social media you know who i'm talking about the, the huge guy that eats liver <laughs> you've seen him you seen that guy i haven't seen him yet oh, but i'll check massive. him out <laughs> he's massive he's, he's like a beast and he eats, he eats raw liver Wow. And he sells uh he sells raw liver supplements and he's making okay. a fortune i think doing it but he's a he's literally like this beast and then I started following this guy named uh paul uh, oh god salad salador it's a carnivore md he, mm-hmm. he goes by carnivore m d so mm-hmm. i'm doing really similar to carnivore MD diet paul Saladino is salad i n o l s a l a d i n o Paul Saladino. You know, so I'm eating a lot of fat and a whole body. I'll, I'll scoop bone marrow raw out of a cow bone and eat it. Wow. I, I don't think that Yeah, when you get older, you'll do stuff. Right. Sure. And so I, sure. I, I can't stand raw liver. It's, it's horrible. I I, <laughs> I ate like two ounces. I'll take your word whole, for it. <laughs> i ate like two ounces and chewed it and tried to swallow it. And it hit the back of my nasal cavity, like wasabi. <laughs> and like burn this nasty iron blood, like just burned this horrible smell. And like, it was horrible, but I'll eat a little bit. I can eat chicken liver easier, but I'm kind of doing that one. And then the one that kind of topped it off is uh Tony Robbins life force. You should read that book. Yeah. Like, Cause there once at some point in time, we all get older and every, you know, a lot of, I, we're both in Texas. And so I called my brother, And he gives me this, and he's a business guy that makes a ton of money, but most of us have this local country boy attitude. And he kind of gives me this, he kind of gives me this rubbing, like, ah, what are you doing? You're an idiot. You know, I'm like, whatever, bro, I'm going to live, man. You can be a fool all you want. (laughs) Because I called and said, hey, you want to come to Beverly Hills with me? I'm going in September to the biohacking conference run by Dave Asprey, who, if you've ever, if you don't know who he is, he's the one that invented Bulletproof Coffee. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you probably heard that before, but, um, I'm going to that. And then I'm into all this other stuff and, um, and I'm taking a lot of supplementation and I'm just, and I moved up out of the functional medicine guy mm-hmm. to a biohacking doctor. And so people that will take the most modern stuff, cause we're already kind of in the middle of it. I didn't expect to go off on this tangent, but it's really, <laughs> interesting, I don't know that I'm going to live past hundred years old, Joel but I can tell you that I already live way better right Mm -hmm. this second than I did like 90 days ago. Right. But I take a lot of high-end supplementation, but I'm not doing like metformin or peptides or uh, I'm not doing pellets or testosterone yet, but there's like, there's like a grouping of things that they can do and then they combine it with stuff like PEMF and like light therapy and like, There's all sorts of stuff that you can get involved in. And the problem with it is it's kind of expensive. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I haven't gotten uh, that much into it. I really just am trying to, you know, eat good food, eat healthy. I do think it it does start with your diet and that affects so many things. But, you know, you're right. There's the and it's the same values for me. I mean, I I love my company. I love uh, running a business. Um, nothing I love more than, you know, my wife and my daughter and spending time with family. Those moments are really precious.
0: So, I got a um, question. So, so, where yeah. are you planning? You're kind of leading that direction. Where are you like, what's the goal for 10 years for the, for your family and yourself? I mean, where do you see yourself? Like, I don't, I don't I mean, just if you don't mind sharing.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, definitely see us, um, just continuing to grow TrueWorks, um, so you know we do have real specific. Uh, we have we have real specific sales goals and targets for, ten years, four years, three years, yearly. Break them down quarterly, and then we really try to really make a game plan on how we're going to hit those. Um, you know, we'd recommend a book like like EOS or something for any uh, business owner. It's going to help you kind of. EOS, uh, Entrepreneurial Operating System. And the, the yeah. book is called Traction that kind of talks about EOS, the system. But it, it's, you know, it's essentially setting those goals, putting the right people in the right places um, to achieve those goals. And um, it, it's basic kind of things, but most companies don't do all of them really well. Um, right. And, and right. so... Um, But it's it's really about having uh, great systems, great processes, people in the right places to match kind of their unique abilities, very specific goals that are. I
0: was I was going to say that, like, I don't I don't have any problem with any of that. I think Mm -hmm. people get me wrong sometimes. Like we have processes, we have procedures, Mm -hmm. we have specialty software. Sure. But I know after doing this at the age I turned 50 this year, I know that. I'll be involved in some level. Could I walk away for 90 days for six months? Maybe. Can you walk away and not walk back into a small business of any type? Hell no. I don't think so. <laughs> and people make that, they, they parrot this stuff back out. But if Elon walks away, Tesla's screwed. If, if people walk away. Now, now, I guess Steve Jobs died and Apple was fine. But you know, Elon's more of a brand than Tesla. I bring him up because he's literally Mm -hmm. branded more than the company. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're not those companies either. So would Tesla continue? Yes. Would this, you know, would things change? Would our businesses continue? I'd like for someone to show me one. I know there's one here called, I can't remember the name of it. There's a really old roofing company. Guy died a long time ago. It's huge. Um, But again, I don't, I don't ever hear about them And like, but they're huge. And, they still exist, but you can almost not find those. Like, is there even one of those in Houston? If there is, there might be like one. Yeah. I think it's extremely rare.
1: And, you know, I do think that it is kind of a goal to work towards just that, you know, when people, so, you know, they always say like, if you can't leave for two weeks, right. If you literally cannot and your business would collapse, you really don't have a business, the business. you you yeah. are the business and right. so it's very much like you know they, they talk about that like in the e-myth book another great one but you know like you, old you gerber i think right yeah yeah um i mean you want to it's you want to create a business that does operate and run like a franchise let's say you know a mcdonald's three pickles you know that does run that streamlined and that you could walk away from and that could succeed long after you were gone or sold it for or some time. But
0: if you die, that, I mean,
1: you got to do it, you know, that I mean, I mean, you you do it because you love it and you're passionate yeah. about it and you're passionate about your company and your employees and everything. But, um, you know, like, I don't think we will ever franchise True Works Roofing, but we want to build it in a way that could be. I don't think that we will sell it, you know, but we want it to be valuable and, to be acquired it you know it, it, we want to build so it after wanna, that
0: in that model basically in that mindset i'm going to give i'm going to pull this together for you on this thought process i had a business uh, a business broker tell me this one time because i sold that quick car and i learned some stuff i i obtained an sba loan and i sold that company in the sale of it i learned some stuff about business he said he uh, and someone else had said this but Even if you don't plan on selling your business, run run your business like it's about to get sold. Right. So that's the point. And and the point, if a business, I'm not saying that you don't have structure and and people and positions. I'm just merely saying that even the roofing company here in Dallas-Fort Worth that I'm talking about, somebody else is at the helm running the hell out of it. Sure. Somebody else owns it now. So the guy right. may have died, but if somebody hadn't stepped up and they're involved, it does still doesn't work. So in a small business, you're going to run it forever in yeah. some capacity, but you're going to have more freedom, time and money as time goes on. But you'll mm-hmm. still run it. You're just going to change the nature of what you run. And when it's being built and you're working on it, you run that business like you're going to sell it. if a a blue sky business like a roofing company goes up on the market for sale and what you said, Joel, is it's like the business is the individual, it's worth almost nothing. I'm going to call it a one multiple. Right. If the business is structured well and has some time behind it and some assets that are still blue sky, but valuable like a website optimization and branding, it might sell for a three multiple, two and a half or three. And if it's above and beyond that, it might go for a four or five. Mm -hmm. And for that reason, Joel probably knows this, He doesn't plan on selling it because he can just run it for another three years and continue to get time and money and freedom. And he's not old enough to think about it yet. And the only reason you'd even do that probably is if you didn't have time, money, freedom, or your health.
1: (laughs) Right. That's right. That's right.
0: Yeah. Otherwise I do think, and and if it it does run for six months and you're like, no, and I can walk away right now, whoever's running that business is going to quit eventually or something's going to happen to them. And it might take you a very long time to restructure that again, but it doesn't mm-hmm. mean you can't try. And you can try to do it. I've got one thing left. I want to talk about. Oh, sure. by the way, I always like to ask everybody you got any weird stories? Weird <laughs> stuff. I like really weird stuff, good okay. stuff, bad stuff. I've well, told, um man I've got a ton of uh, nasty bad ones like people crapping on my front door saying. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: A, okay. I'll 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 go there, I guess, a little bit. So walked into an inspection the other day and um Oh. oh man uh yeah this this elder kind of older guy um was completely naked um oh, and that was uh <laughs> that kind of shocked me that was a first for was sure it? i had yes. that one too
0: <laughs> i was mowing lawns when i was a kid i needed money badly this yeah. old guy i'm sorry finish your story finish your story. no so i did, mean uh I, oh, well, first off did you did you continue you You know so i where do you draw the line joel
1: yeah yeah yeah, we wanted the deal i continued on uh so i I hear (laughs) him i hear him yelling uh out the you know who's that i don't want any roofers on my and we had scheduled an appointment but i guess it was with his son and he's yelling and he says tell him to come here and i walk in and he's looking at me and um you know, uh, he says, you're not getting on my roof. I'm like, sir, we are just doing a free inspection. We take a bunch of photos. And he's like, <laughs> you're not taking any photos of my roof. And he said, you know, you want to take a photo of my, and, and said other things. And Seriously. I was like,
0: <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that's uncalled for.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was like, sir, um, we're just here to help, you know? And anyway, we ended up leaving. I didn't, obviously he's not our, target clientele i will say (laughs) right so you so you did the inspection but not yeah we actually we we actually didn't uh you know i was cordial professional and wished him a good day and said okay sounds great we're gonna go ahead and uh and be on our way then we wish you all the best if you ever need anything (laughs) let us know he's uh but that was that was a first for sure i had had a guy come out in his boxers one time trying to kind of throw me and we we closed that deal and that was (laughs) you know but uh yeah, I mean, you go into people's
0: so. Shows, so you did you replay of- that? Like, <laughs> dang it, Joel, you should have like stood up for yourself and like not dealt with the naked man. Did you? Did you like replay how that should have gone?
1: No, we just laughed about it quite a bit, me and uh, the guy I was with. And then he asked me to go on another one with him recently. And you know, it's just well, as long as he's as long as this client's gonna have all their clothes on. Um, I had so, um so when yeah. I was
0: maybe nineteen. I needed money bad too. I might've been 17. I don't remember how old I was, but there was this guy. So I was mowing this older woman's lawn. She was widowed. And it was in Fort Worth in the Wedgwood area. They're they're long dead by now, they, both of these people. And she had a boyfriend down the street. And people were like 70 something. I mean, I was young, so I probably didn't judge age that well. But she was a nice old lady, right? And I'm mowing her lawn. She said, would you mow my friend's lawn? I was like, sure, I'll mow i mow the lawn and um, I mow this old man's lawn. He's kind of this crotchety old player bastard guy. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> like this old, this, this old bastard. And he was always um, kind of coming out telling me what to do. And I mowed the lawn about the third or fourth time. And I don't know what his intentions were or anything, but I've, and I didn't, I don't think I handled it wrong. There's plenty of things that I'm like, Oh, I should have done this or knocked that guy out or done said this or whatever. But this guy comes out with a robe. It was an old plaid robe. And it came down to maybe just above his knees or something. And the robe was open, you know, yeah. <laughs> open. And he starts coming out in the backyard. I'd already mowed the front yard. And I was trying to get in and out of his house because I, I always felt a little weird around this guy. And um, he was out on the back patio. And he'd come out once with just completely exposed to this robe. And he did it again. And I picked my mower up and uh, put it back in my truck. I had to to take my mower and I was young and strong. I just threw my mower in the back of my truck. And I left the backyard half done and didn't show up again, but I had yeah, that happen. I, I think you yeah.
1: handled it perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, well, you know, when you I go into to find out what he wanted, yeah, but. yeah, exactly. When you go into people's <laughs> homes, obviously, you know, you meet all kinds of different people. We definitely met a lot of, you know, hoarders and things like that, that I mean, yeah. kind of, you just can't believe. Um, but uh, you know, it's, we, we it's kind appalling of, how
0: people live, isn't it? And i I know sometimes it really, is, yeah. Yeah. And, and how, how
1: people live. Yeah. yeah, you really walk in surprised. Um, and you know, um, you know, we 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 always joke though, we always say nobody ever wants to call a roofer. We they call us in their most kind of stressed out state, and we do get a lot of people call and they are upset and they are a little hysterical or whatever. Um, and right. and but It is rewarding being able to go in there and kind of take that burden off of them, you know, the ones with clothes on anyways, and uh, take that burden off of them and, and really deliver that great quality job and then get to see them through, you know, on the other side, smiling, you know, as many crazy people as we meet, we meet so many good ones, too, that are just great human beings that we're in a stressed-out state that really appreciate what we do, the efforts that we go to to, you know, really go above and beyond. And it's fun getting invited to barbecues and getting, you know, invited to. We we make friends with these people, and uh, yeah. that that is rewarding. It is really fun. So you get both, of course.
0: Well, you're knocking it out of the park, man. I know things are going well. I think, yeah, really, anybody that does this deserves it, in my opinion. I mean, I I don't. I really, if, if you keep the mentality that you have right now, you eventually solidify yourself in the area. I know that you're already doing well in Houston, but I really believe that over time, you're going to continue until you're just one of the pack three people showing up all the time. And you already do for a ton of stuff, but I'm primary keywords and all that, it, it will happen over time. I, I like to say your horse runs much faster than the other horses. Your horses are you know, the older the horse, the better on a marketing perspective from a digital standpoint. Some of those horses are 20 years old already in your market. And yours is uh, two, two and a half, right? Mm-hmm. Years old. Mm-hmm. But he's stronger, better, and runs faster. So he's making up, you know, he's making up trust and tenure quickly. Um, and and um, so it's going to continue to go well. Just continue to do the things that you're doing. I really... I don't really have any suggestions. Sometimes I talk to guys that are kind of new. You're pretty new. Mm-hmm. I don't really have any suggestions for you on anything. You're kind of doing all of it right. I don't know. I don't know how you how you did all this. Maybe you're
1: well. We're going manifesting
0: for with, reality in a in a pretty good way. Yeah, we're going for it
1: with all of our hearts. We're just being really passionate. We're working really, really hard. We're making a ton of mistakes. Uh, we're learning from those. We've gotten great. You know coaching consultants i reach out to people all the time I've, i i've noticed in the industry that there is a um if people with a lot of experience who if you approach them with humility and wanting to learn they're incredibly generous with their time and expertise and sharing knowledge with you oh. you know for free and i offer to pay and they're like no they love to do it they love so are, you are know, they- because i'm Go ahead. Are
0: these are these people in roofing? Are these roof? Oh yeah. Oh
1: yeah. I'm I'm talking to now. Now I do really enjoy, um, bringing in ideas, even if it's coaching, consultant systems and processes, things from other industries. A lot I find that you know again, kind of what we were talking about. They can be several years ahead of the roofing industry in many things.
0: Are you in a mastermind group or like a? Coach group type, Uh
1: yeah, yeah, in a a peer group, um, you know, with non-competing owners, I think that's fantastic to do. I, I, I'm in all the roofing Facebook groups. I reach out to all the. I'm really blessed with. You know, I've gotten to know a lot of the industry leaders and, um, you know, been on, been on a bunch of different podcasts yep. and gotten to talk to a lot of different people. And just by reaching out and befriending people, having humility, wanting to learn. And um, I do like to offer that back in return. You know, I'm not a consultant. I don't have a book. I don't have a course. I don't have anything like that. Um, if, you know, any of your listeners are roofers and have questions or want help, if there's, I mean, I don't have all the answers, but if there's anything I can, Offer of value, offer of assistance. I mean, I'm I'm really happy to pay that back and do that. It's it's there's those of us in the roofing industry that have fallen in love with the industry, really love it, and hate that you know, roofing and roofers have kind of gotten a bad name, and we're out to change that because it is a great industry, and and there's we kind of feel like we're on a team to we're not competing against each other we're competing against the ones that want to be shady or want to not you know want to cut corners it's it's those of us even in even in my own market in houston i'm friends with a lot of people there we feel camaraderie we do feel like a team it's it's there's four million people we're not competing against each other you know we're competing against the riffraff and the you know the the guys who are trying to trying to cut corners and be shady but our goal really is to help elevate the roofing industry to kind of the status and standard that we feel like it deserves. It's, it's so, a great industry. And so,
0: yeah. Are, are you, is it, is it breakthrough Academy? Is that who you're so, with?
1: I, I, I never went through that one. Um, I've yeah. heard really good things about it. Um, My friend Armando uh, Jacobs, who.
0: Owns, same type of thing uh, as what you're describing for the mastermind, you know, yeah. non-competing owners. Same. Yeah. I think we go ahead. What I kind of like about Breakthrough Academy is that they're, they put you with the same revenue people that, you know,
1: that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that one, uh, I believe Randy brothers, uh, and he, he, um, owns a really successful company in Colorado, but, um, and they started that I've heard great things. Um, I haven't been through that specifically, but, um, but yeah, um, you know, it, it is a, um, It's a great industry. There's a lot of help out there. And I've, I've been blessed to just reach out and find that. And, uh, I, I just Facebook message and email people all the time I did, you know, so I was on another podcast, uh, you know, Dave Sullivan, he, he's awesome. A friend of mine and runs a great one. His guest who was on there previously, I reached out to him. He's running, uh, you know, he's doing 18 million a year in Louisiana. Um, great, great guy. Um, George Boudreaux, awesome dude, running great company. And I just reached out asking him for some advice and some help and I offered to pay. He said, no, you know, and then he found a few things that I could help him with, even though he's running a much bigger, more successful I, I, I company. I want to say and,
0: something about this because I find this fascinating. I mean, you can take this discussion all the way back to like Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich and Mastermind groups. Like, I mm-hmm. think he was the first one to talk about this sort of mm-hmm. stuff. I talked to a guy named uh, I've got another client named Kenneth Byler of Great Lakes Commercial Roofing, and I think he's 26 mm-hmm. or 28 years old, and he's in Breakthrough Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he has some really high up consultant or uh, mm-hmm. mentors. Mm-hmm. Same thing, called him. But I, I'm guessing you're 40 something. I don't know how old mm-hmm. you are, but 43. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so Kenneth is like 26, but you're like, oh, I can't do it because I'm 40 something. Uh, Kenneth is a kid and these guys want to help him well you're 40 you're 40 something you're calling help and getting help oh, and, yeah. sure, sure. and I know I think it's great though because people will find out oh I can't do it so um but this guy's getting the best of the best help and then you're calling people and I got my hats off to you because I didn't I've always been kind of shy about it or maybe low self-esteem, I'd call it. Like, I don't, I'm not worthy to call this guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm one of those guys now to some degree. You know, I am one, I'm, I'm a guy that, you know, I, but, but I, I would take, I've been thinking, I, you're making me want to call some people and, and just to ask, because I have a mentor out of Hawaii, out of Maui mm-hmm. that helped me enter that market. And it mm-hmm. was a guy that I had known, but I called him and he mentors me on real estate.
1: Yeah, yeah, you need a coach and a consultant, yeah. I really think and and not a guy who's like hasn't done it before and is just mm. kind of selling a course because they flunked out as a roofer you know like they couldn't hack it and now they're just selling a course oh and they sold their it, company you know. i'm
0: not going to name names you know who i'm talking about they, they sold their company because they didn't like it but now they make more money hawking uh, <laughs> telling you how to do it exactly
1: yeah yeah you time. want to talk to you know if you're in roofing you want to talk to yeah. roofers i mean you know you want to talk to people in the trenches and doing it right. every day and Yeah, it could be maybe people don't do that because kind of, you know, they're in your category or maybe it's the other side where it's ego or whatever. And, you know, they're like, yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, I mean, again, it all comes back to, I mean, you know, we're obsessed with the client experience and we'll do anything it takes to get there. And so the focus is on them. It's not on me. It's not on. And so anything I can do to make our company better for our customers, for our employees. I mean, I'm, I'm going to do, you know, with all my heart. And um, so, yeah,
0: you know, definitely. I want to say one more too. thing before we get off here, because we're kind of sure. concluding. I, I sure. want to point out something that is going unsaid here. Like mm-hmm. you've shared a lot talking right now. You've told a lot of personal stuff and and trade secrets and things and and how your business operates. And you've done it before on other podcasts and shared and you're out there a lot. I missed the mark on this until later on in life that people who get on, because the media thing hit me kind of to where like I do media, so, you know, we help people online, but I wouldn't share personally Mm -hmm. or give away stuff. Mm -hmm. People that are on saying, I'll help you. If you call me to mentor, Mm -hmm. I'll talk to you. I'll tell you what we do they're getting so much more from the universe or however you want to look at this. Cause this feels like, you know, reality manifestation stuff. And it feels like to me, when I look at this stuff, that the people that go in and offer the most, get the most, mm-hmm. you know, you're talking, you, you said paying back, paying it back, but mm-hmm. um, people helped you. You want to help people. Sure. And we're also, I, I would argue too, that you, you're getting to that age. I'm getting that age there's a natural progression of age to where you do help people. But it's interesting to me that people are helping you and you're asking for help, but you're, but you're open, honest and sharing and willing to help people. And most, I mean, to me, the, your brain wants to tell you the opposite. It's like, Mm -hmm. Hey, Hey, Joel, don't, don't tell them that that's my proprietary trade secret. If everybody starts giving away free car details, that'll take something away from you, you know, but it's opposite. You give away, Mm -hmm. you offer yourself up uh, to help people and you actually get more, you participate in everything. Like I'm trying to do that. Now there's another book that I'm reading called, I think it's Michael Singer. Mm -hmm. I saw him on Tony Robbins potty. I heard him on Tony Robbins and it was about surrendering. And it wasn't that he was just to let anything happen, but he goes with the flow and it's Mm -hmm. like, Hey, if this, you know, you just, you just go with the flow about letting things happen to quit trying to force it, you know, and great things happen. Part of it's just sharing stuff with human beings and Mm -hmm. stuff to share and you help people and you're like fabulously more successful Mm -hmm. hundreds of percent further down the road, so much faster than the average roofer that I run into. Even the guys that come to me that are there and they're close but only a couple of guys hit it out of the park like you do. Like I, I'm already dealing with the best, but maybe only about one out of 10, by the way, just so you know, mm-hmm. get to your level and go whoom whoom whoom, and like just ratcheted up the business. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think I, I used to when I first started, I would share a lot. I was real active on LinkedIn. And uh, then I got on one podcast and then I got another and you start meeting people and you start networking and then you know you join a mastermind and you just meet different leaders you go to their company you kind of see how they do things you let other people come to it. It, it again it goes back to that. We're on a mission to elevate the roofing industry, and we're all in this together. Everybody who shares that same mission, we're, we are on a team. We're in this together. There's plenty of work for all of us. So there's the ones of us that are trying to do things the right way. Uh, we're not going to run out of work. We're not going to run out of roofs that need to be roofed, repairs, you know.
0: so There seems to be some unwritten law to this stuff, though. You... Uh, this is one of my favorite podcasts, by the way. I, I, I uh, Jason, who works with me, say Nolan, you got to quit rating the podcast at the end of it. But this has been a great one. Um, Kenneth Byler had a guy on named Otis Floyd. He's an ex uh, Canadian pro football player turned roofer. He's wow, phenomenal. You, you, that one's uh, Otis Floyd podcast, fantastic. Oh. Kenneth Byler podcast, fantastic. And this new one with Joel of True Work, has <laughs> been fantastic. So. I appreciate it, man. Um, Anything. Yeah. Anything else you want to leave with or, but I, that was, that was a great, that was a great one. I think we covered it.
1: I think that's it. I mean, I've had a lot of fun. It's been a blast and um, I hope that, uh, you know, whoever listening gets some value out of it and
0: enjoys it. I hope so as well, man, make some usage of our time at least, but um, all right, Joel, call me anytime, man. I really appreciate you and I hope you're the best of success on you know, going forward. Will do, Nolan. I appreciate you as much, sir. Nolan Walker here with Roofing Webmasters. Guys, we own a digital marketing agency, and I've told you that, but we have another podcast. So if you like Roofers Paradise, Be sure to check out Roofing Webmasters podcast. You can find us on any podcast platform or just search Roofing Webmasters on YouTube or go to roofingwebmasters.com. But check out the podcast for Roofing Webmasters, where we really educate you about anything and everything marketing related online with roofing. Roofing Webmasters podcast. Check it out.